0: This morning, as we continue our journey through the Gospel of Mark, we find ourselves at a place outside of the city of Jerusalem, a place called Golgotha, where Jesus, the Son of God, is crucified. The story of Jesus' crucifixion is found in Mark's 15, verses 22 through 32. It says they brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. Then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him, dividing up his clothes. They cast lots to see what each would get. It was the third hour when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. They crucified two robbers with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, So, you who were going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourselves. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Christ, this King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Those crucified with Him also heaped insults on Him. Let's pray. Dear Father, I thank You so very much for this opportunity to share uh, this message. It is a tragic story, and yet it has a powerful message. And so God, I pray that You'll help me present it But more importantly, that you'll help all of us receive it. We pray all this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. I remember when Christy had her first knee replacement. She was in a lot of pain, especially when she came out of surgery. I mean, she couldn't stand it. She was begging for some relief. And to be honest with you, I hurt in those moments because she hurt. That's how I feel towards today's scripture. It is a gruesome picture of Jesus on the cross. Suffering physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And I hurt because He hurt. Especially when I realize that He hurt that day for me, and He hurt that day for each of you. First think through with me of all of the physical suffering that Jesus endured. Beginning with the flogging. We, we turn back to Mark fifteen fifteen, Wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. The Roman governor, Pilate, had his soldiers flog Jesus. Probably two soldiers stripped him and tied his hands above him to a post. And then they whipped Jesus with a leather whip containing pieces of bone and or metal embedded in the leather stripes. In a Roman, Roman flogging, they would whip the criminal 39 times. I mean, it is hard even to picture that in your mind. The pain that Jesus endured with each of those repeated whippings. They say that many victims didn't survive these severe Roman floggings, but Jesus did, and he carried the cross at least part of the way up Golgotha's hill, that was until he became too weak, and Simon of Cyrene carried it the rest of the way. It was there on Golgotha's hill that Jesus suffered the pain of the crucifixion. Mark describes it, Mark 15, verses 24 and 25. They crucified him, dividing up his clothes. They cast lots to see what each of them would get. It was the third hour, that's nine o'clock in the morning, when they crucified him. Mark describes it so simply. But But crucifixion was a long, painful ordeal. Here is a description of what it would have been like. When they reached the place of the crucifixion, The cross was laid flat on the ground. The prisoner was stretched out upon it, and his hands nailed to it. The feet were not nailed, but only loosely bound. Below the prisoner's feet projected a ledge of wood called a saddle to take his weight when the cross was raised upright. Otherwise, the nails would have torn through the flesh of the hands. The cross then was lifted upright. The person then would be suspended in the air, exposed to all the the elements, and be in excruciating pain. As the person continued to bleed, his heart would begin to pump harder and harder to try to keep his blood pressure up and keep him conscious. And, And water would fill the sack around his heart. The person's organs would one at a time begin to fail because of the lack of oxygen. Breathing would become more and more difficult with each breath. And every breath required the person to push himself upward to allow his lungs to fill with air. Finally, when the person had not ha- did not have enough strength or ability to lift himself up to another breath, or when his heart would take it no longer, the person would die of heart failure or, or suffocation. But death, for most, did not come for a day or two. Think about that. And during the entire time, that person would have been in agonizing pain. Graciously, I guess, Jesus lived only six hours there on the cross. But it was six hours of pain, physical pain, and suffering. But there was more to Jesus' suffering than just what happened to him physically. There was also his emotional suffering. I mean, just think of the humiliation of it all. Look again, Mark fifteen twenty four, And they crucified him, dividing up his clothes. They cast lots to see what each would get. It was a practice of the Romans to crucify men totally naked. But among the Jews, their condemned would be permitted to wear a loincloth. And we don't know whether they followed that day the Roman practice or the Jewish practice with Jesus. At best, he was only wearing a loincloth when he was crucified. And the soldiers were play- playfully gambling for the rest of his clothes below. How humiliating. Also, look at, look at Mark 15 Twenty-seven. They crucified two thieves with him, one on his right and one on his left. I mean, just think about that. Here is Jesus, the promised Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the Living God, and he is being treated like a common criminal, with common criminals on either side, even though, even though he had done nothing wrong. This only heightened the humility. Of it all. And then you add to that all the mocking that took place. The sign that Pilate had placed above Jesus on the cross was mocking both Jesus and the Jews. Mark 15, 26, the written notice of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. In essence, Pilate was sarcastically saying, Look at this pitiful king that represents such a pitiful people. But in reality, Jesus was more of a king than Pilate. He was more than the king of the Jews. He was the king and is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. But certainly, he is not being treated like that there at the cross. And not only did Pilate mock him, but those passing by the cross that day mocked him. Mark 15, 29 and 30, those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, So, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. As one commentary put it, those passing by were acting like silly children who mock and make fun of each other. They were specifically making fun of one of Jesus' teachings. He, in talking about his body, said that his temple would be destroyed, but it would be, it would be rebuilt in three days. It was all talking about his resurrection. But the people there, the passerbys, did not understand that. And so, as I said a couple of weeks ago, we mock what we don't understand. And they mocked, there at the cross, what they didn't understand. Jesus would have, he he had some work that he needed to do in their minds in destroying and rebuilding the temple. So, if he was going to get that work done, he was going to have to save himself and come down from the cross. The Jewish leaders joined in the mocking. Mark 15, verses 31 32. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him. Among themselves, he, he saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Christ, this King of Israel, come down from the cross that we may see and believe. These Jewish leaders knew of many people. They knew of many people Jesus had saved and changed their life. Sick who he had healed. Lepers who he had cleansed. Demon-possessed, who he had set free. Handicapped, who he had restored. And dead, he had risen from the dead. Jesus had miraculously done all of that. But now he can't miraculously come down from the cross. These Jewish leaders were mockingly saying, Jesus, if you're really the Messiah, the Christ, if you're really the King of the Jews that you claim to be, Come down from the cross so that we can see it and believe it and believe in you. They are not interested here in believing in Jesus. The only thing that they're interested in is mocking Him and making fun of Him. And there was one more group that was mocking Jesus that day. It is in the last part of the last verse in this morning's scripture. The end of Mark 15.32 tells us this. Those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. At least at one point during the crucifixion, the two robbers, both of them, ridiculed Jesus. How hurtful that must have been to have these robbers insult him. All of this mocking must have hurt Jesus. You know, we've all heard that saying, sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt you. That simply is not true. Words do hurt. Words can wound you as much as sticks and stones, and maybe sometimes even more. But there is no doubt that Jesus suffered greatly in the physical pain that he endured in the flogging and in the crucifixion. But he also suffered greatly in the emotional pain that he endured in all of the humiliation and all of the mocking. And all of that pain sure hurt us also. Especially when we realize, as I said earlier, that Jesus endured all of that physical and emotional suffering for us. Those who were there that day didn't understand that Jesus was suffering for them. But we need to understand that He was suffering there for us. See, what they didn't understand about Jesus' suffering and death, we need to understand. And there are three specific things I'd just like to talk to you about this morning quickly that they didn't understand that we must understand. The first thing that we must understand is that Jesus didn't lessen His pain so that we might be helped through his suffering. There, there's a verse in this morning's scripture that I have not mentioned yet. Mark fifteen twenty three, 23. Then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. Before Jesus was nailed to the cross, the soldiers offered him some wine mixed with myrrh. This was some kind of neurotic, some kind of narcotic drink that was given for those who were going to be crucified to decrease their sensitivity towards the intense pain. According to an old tradition, it may have been a special drink that the respected women of Jerusalem prepared to help ease the criminals' pain. The soldiers did not mind giving the criminals the drink. It made the job that they had much easier. It made the men more manageable, especially as they nailed them to the cross. But Jesus refused this narcotic drink. The soldiers couldn't understand why. Everyone who was going to be crucified would take the drink to ease their pain. But not Jesus. Why not? See, Jesus had come into the world to die on the cross. And he wanted to fulfill that mission with a clear mind, not a fuzzy mind. Plus, he had come as a human being to experience all of the pain that we experience in our lives. The the struggle of temptation, the hurt of rejection, the pangs of hunger. The, 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 the grief of loss, and here the pain of death. Jesus experienced it all so that we might be helped as we experience those same things in our lives. Just listen to these verses from Hebrews 4, verses 15 and 16. For we do not have a high priest talking about Jesus who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Life brings us hurts, doesn't it? And Jesus can help us in our hurts because He knows what we're going through. He experienced those same hurts. That's why we're encouraged to come boldly before the throne of God in prayer, knowing that there we will receive God's mercy, and there we will find Jesus' grace to help us when we need it. Jesus didn't lessen His pain at the cross, So that we might be helped through his suffering. He did not lessen his pain on the cross. So that he might help us in our pain and suffering. The second thing that we must understand that those of the cross didn't understand. Is that Jesus didn't save himself so that we might be saved through his death. Remember how those passing by the cross were mocking Jesus. They said, those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, So, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourselves. These passerbys challenged Jesus to come down from the cross and save himself. They mocked him about destroying the temple and rebuilding it. And he couldn't complete that work if he died on the cross. And so Jesus needed to come down from the cross. What they did not understand, and what we need to understand, is that Jesus could have come down from the cross that day. Let me read for you something that Jesus said earlier to Peter after Peter defended him with a sword at his arrest. Here's what he said in Matthew 26:53 and 54. Don't you realize that I could ask my Father for thousands of angels to protect us, and he would send them instantly. But if I did, how would the Scriptures be fulfilled that describes what must happen now? Jesus could have obviously asked God at that moment on the cross to call thousands of angels to come and free Him. But see, Jesus had a higher purpose to fulfill. There's an old country song entitled 10,000 Angels. And the words of that song go like this. They bound the hands of Jesus in the garden where He prayed. They led him through the streets in shame. They spat upon the Savior so pure and free from sin. They said, crucify him, he's to blame. Uh, Upon his precious head they placed a crown of thorns. They laughed and said, behold the king. They struck him and they cursed him and mocked him, his holy name. All alone he suffered everything. And then that powerful chorus. He could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world and set him free. He could have called 10,000 angels, but he died alone for you and me. See, Jesus didn't save himself on the cross because he came to save us through the cross. He came, as we have been emphasizing, to suffer and die for our sins and our salvation. Listen to what the Apostle Peter declared later before the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin that had convicted Jesus to die. Acts 4, verse number 12. Salvation is found in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Jesus didn't save himself on the cross so we might be saved through his death. He didn't save himself on the cross so that he might save us through his sacrificial death. And quickly, the third thing that we must understand that those of the cross didn't understand is that Jesus didn't come down from the cross so that we might believe in him through his resurrection. Remember the mocking of the Jewish leaders. In the same way, the chief priest and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he cannot save himself. Let this Christ, this King of Israel, come down now from the cross, that we may see and believe. These religious leaders mocked Jesus. He saved others, but he could not save himself, they said. They said that they would believe in him. They would believe that he was the Christ, the the Messiah, that he was the King of Israel. If he would just come down right then from the cross. But what they didn't understand is the reason that we believe in Jesus is because He didn't come down from the cross. He did something more than come down from the cross. He died on the cross, and He rose again. And amazingly, after the resurrection, many of these religious leaders came to believe in Jesus. Acts 6, 7 records it. It says, so the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. And a large number of the priests became obedient to the faith. Some of the priests who mocked Jesus that day believed in him. Because of his death and resurrection. And we believe in Jesus today because of his death and resurrection. That is the good news that we proclaim to others, that they might believe in Jesus. Jesus didn't come down from the cross that we, you and I, might believe through His death and resurrection. I'm going to close with the words of the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3-8. through For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ Jesus died for our sins according to the Scriptures that he was buried, that he was raised up on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter, and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than five hundred of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James, and then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me, talking about Paul, as to one abnormally born. People, that is the core of the gospel. That is the core of the good news that we believe in, and the good news that we proclaim. That Jesus died, was buried, and rose again, and appeared to many after His resurrection. And then again, remember, He did it all for us. Let me share some practical applications here as we end. Let me suggest three action steps this morning. kind of reminds us of those three points I've just talked about. Number one, know that Jesus will help you in your life's struggles because of his own life's struggles. Jesus went through a human life here on earth. He may have been God, but he was a human being. And so he suffered in his life That again, he might understand our suffering and help us through uh, those difficult times. Now, number two, recognize that Jesus died on the cross for you. He died for your forgiveness and your salvation. He died for me. He died for you. And it is through him our sins are forgiven. And it is through him that we have the hope of eternal life with Him in heaven. And then last of all, my encouragement is, believe in Jesus and trust Him in His salvation for your forgiveness and your salvation. It really comes down to decision. People, what you do with Jesus? And so what are you going to do with Jesus and His sacrifice? If you've already accepted Him as Lord and Savior, be sure of the faith that you have. But if you've never accepted Him, we challenge you today. We challenge you today to put your faith in Him. Let's pray. Dear Father, I thank You so very much uh, for Your presence in our lives. I thank You so very much for the special gift of Your Son. And I thank You for His willingness to go to the cross. And God, that we might realize all of the hurt, the physical hurt, the emotional hurt that He experienced there. And He did it for us. We're thankful for that. And I pray that you'll be at work in each of our lives. Build our faith or move us to faith. We pray all this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. We want to thank you all for listening this morning, sharing with us. We look forward every week to share with you. You can also come and share with us in our worship time on Sunday morning at 1030. We'd be glad to have you. Again, if there's ever any way that we can minister to you, please let us know. The most important thing, again, that you do in life is what you do with Jesus. We do pray God's blessing upon you. We pray that you have a great week ahead, and we'll see you next Sunday.